Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. My name is Kerry Zarb and I've been helping business owners just like you go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat for over 20 years. I'll be giving you all the top advice for getting started in your business, but I'll also be speaking with some of the best business minds to inspire you with valuable insights to help you get ahead in your business. If you've ever hit a roadblock or lost your passion, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Biz Nation podcast, and if this is your first time listening, a massive welcome to you. I'm your host, Kerry Zarb, and on this podcast, we speak with business owners and entrepreneurs that have something to share with you that can help you on your business journey. I'm super excited for today's show. We have an amazing guest, and today's guest is Dr. Kristen Donnelly from Abbey Research, and I have to add that she's one of the good doctors from Abbey Research. So, welcome to the show, Kristen. It's great to have you here. Oh, gracious, Carrie. It's an absolute honor. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate your time, and we're going to have a great conversation. And I wanted to start with, if you don't mind, would you mind explaining to the listeners who you are, what you do today, but more importantly, what is Abbey Research? I would be delighted to. So just like Carrie said, my name is Dr. Kristen Donnelly, and that doctor is a PhD in social science. So essentially what that means is that I have spent a lot of my life learning how to analyze cultures, groups of people. How do people interact with each other and the culture around them? And how does the culture be built by them in a certain way? So I am, by accent, you may be able to tell, American. I currently live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is on the east coast of the United States, about an hour south of New York. And uh, I grew up here, but all of my education has taken place elsewhere. So I did an undergraduate in the middle of the country in a state called Kentucky that has a lot of horses. And then I did some master's work in Texas, also horses, entire coincidence. And uh, I have a master's degree in social work and one in cross-cultural religious anthropology. Mm. And then I moved to Northern Ireland, which I actually did for the first time in 2005. And sometime we can have a conversation about the random way I ended up there. And I spent a year teaching sex ed, which was wild. And one of the things that that year taught me is that saying yes can be a magical, magical thing. And so dreaming big has been a huge part of my entrepreneurial journey. Even when I don't exactly know how to get to the big dream, I still dream big. So when I finished my master's work in Texas, I moved back to Northern Ireland because I realized that all of my questions kind of came back to that point. And the thing with higher education is that you're always trying to answer questions. And a PhD if no one's, if you don't know anyone who has done a PhD, essentially means, especially in the humanities and the social sciences, that you are the expert in a very, very tiny, narrow little question that probably nobody else cares about. And you're an expert in, you know, the wider subject and you can teach it or, or analyze it and everything else. But I spent four years writing a book on a question that no one else cares about. But I was delighted to do it. And it taught me a lot about the importance of perseverance project management, and curiosity. So then when I transitioned um, back to America and took a place in my family business, 
which I'll get to in just a second, I realized that that's everything about entrepreneurship is <laughs> project management and curiosity and perseverance. That's entrepreneurship. So the other piece of my life is that since I was seven years old, we've owned a manufacturing company in not a great neighborhood in Philadelphia, really under-resourced, one of those ones that like you see on the news all the time because there's just not that the the state has essentially allowed people to live there and then forgotten about them kind of Aww. kind of neighborhood. And so for and it was a flourishing manufacturing area in Philadelphia until like the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. And so my dad bought it with the intent to provide no skill manufacturing jobs back to the neighborhood. So he designed the whole thing. We make dye. So and we make pharmaceutical dye. So the stain that diagnoses cancer for instance, we're the only people on the planet that make that mm -hmm. um, one of the stains. And we, we make some stuff that diagnoses eye, eye diseases and some things like that. But my dad had a feeling that if we could strip everything back, that at the fundamental, there had to be a way to provide jobs for people who could just show up sober every day and on time. And that's been the business model. How do we excellently serve our customers and excellently serve our employees. And the mission statement is to impact lives and create wealth. Mm -hmm. And wealth is a holistic concept. So it's emotional, financial, physical, spiritual, economic, the whole nine. So that's the soup I grew up in, right? Yeah. And I grew up like every family business kid violating every child labor law on the planet. You know, like we helped clean up the factory. I packed out kits. I did cold call marketing. My brother did all of the, like used to climb in the smokestacks and clean up the pigeon poop when he was tiny and all that kind of other stuff. Lots of our friends have had jobs there. And I didn't really understand the holy sacredness of a family business until I, you know, got older, to be completely mm -hmm. honest, and understood the incredible legacy that comes with it and the responsibility. So when I faced getting married, I met my fella in Northern Ireland. He's an Ulsterman. And I was thinking about what to do with my name. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'm pretty early in my academic career. So like the professionalism thing isn't really a big deal. But like, I like the legacy that's attached to my maiden name. Mm. Like, I'm proud to be a Nielsen. I'm proud to take on this legacy that my dad has built and that my brother was stepping into and everything's great. So I decided to be one of the annoying people that kept my name and added a new one. <laughs> um, and I go by Donnelly now, but my legal name is Dr. Kristen Nielsen Donnelly. And I'm very proud of that Nielsen, but it is a bit of a mouthful for folks. And so we just do Donnelly, um, which is my married name. So all of this to say, this is a long introduction and thank you listeners for, for staying with me. But all that to say, when I finished my PhD, I wanted to be a part of the family legacy, but I don't know how to make dye. <laughs> it is <laughs> not just not my skill set. Um, I don't have a PhD in, in, in chemistry. I'm not great with like figuring out how machines work. Like, that's not my jam. <laughs> what I love is asking questions, managing projects and teaching people. That's been my calling forever. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I figured out that I could live out the family mission statement of impacting lives and creating wealth was to create a teaching and consulting and research branch. All of our companies are called Abby something, A-B-B-E-Y. So we have Abby Color, Abby Concepts, Abby Products, Abby Mex, Abby Research. Wow. And so the mission of Abby Research is the same as the rest of the Nielsen family of companies. And we do it. And I then went on to hire my best friend, who is the other good doctor of 
of Abbey Research. Her name is Dr. Erin Hinson. We're both Americans, but we met doing our PhDs in Belfast. We're both social scientists. And our mission is to help people be deeper and fuller humans. So we spend our days helping people figure out how to be curious about themselves, how to be curious about the world around them, how to ask questions, how to enact empathy. We do this a lot through, we have a, a couple podcasts, a YouTube channel, we do keynotes and workshops and really it's the idea generation. Like my brother says all the time, like he makes die and I make ideas. <laughs> and all of it goes together to fulfill the family legacy. So that was a long-winded ex explanation, but I don't know how to explain Abbey Research outside of that context mm. because I'm so, as an entrepreneur who is also part of a larger organization, so I'm both an employee, I work mm -hmm. for my brother, mm -hmm. a co-owner, although I'm the minority shareholder, and a total entrepreneur. I run Abbey Research like with Aaron, my, my family has no real input in it except for like some of the budget stuff because I do business as I'm not a separate legal entity because mm -hmm. the United States is a nightmare when it comes to startups. And this was just easier. So and I work out of the physical building and I'm still very I'm the COO of the network of companies. So like today, as, as you and I are talking in August, I, you know, I, I was on Clubhouse for a little while. I did some, um, you know, coaching for an upcoming TEDx talk. I sat with my coach. I did an investigative project into the nation of Cameroon and its history of colonization. And then I sat through a banking presentation with our bank about our asset management. And then I had to figure out, like, you know, the upcoming government regulations for one of the products we make. So it's it kind of runs the gamut most days like that. Wow. But it's, it's such, a, I have the time of my life. It's really, really fun. It sounds like so much variety packed into like your schedule, but at, mm -hmm. but that's good, right? Like that, that makes everything so interesting and so much more fulfilling that, you know, you're not, you're not on this, you know, boring treadmill. You've got a lot going on, but you've honed in on what interests you and what you're mm -hmm. passionate about under the family umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. How cool yeah. Is that? And it took a little while. I'm like, it definitely took a little while. I had some other roles in the family business, especially involved. We had a, a division that was kind of, that was legitimately failing and we had to get it to a point where we could sell it. And a big part of my job was flying to another state, spending weeks and months of my life in that other state, helping shut that down and transition it to get ready for sale. And that was not my joy. And that was very monotonous. And it was one of those times where you just, I'd have lots of friends be like, well, you know, you should just, you should just quit your job. And I'm like, cool. Well, then I'd quit my family. Yeah. And that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. And sometimes we just kind of need to show up for the fam. Mm -hmm. And like, it had an end date. We didn't know when the end date was, but at some point, either I was going to burn it to the ground and claim insurance money, or we were going to sell it. Like those were <laughs> like, that's how that was going to go. <laughs> So, you know, we knew we had to sell it. We knew it was toxic. We knew it wasn't part of the mission anymore, mm. but it isn't just like you can click your heels three times and go, I got to get rid of this thing. No. It's all process. Mm -hmm. So that was like three years. And so I'm, you know, ready to launch Abbey Research in a new way and exciting. And I'm so stoked. And then the world shut down. So like, we all have to learn as entrepreneurs to just be like, right. Okay. This is the new situation. How do I live my mission and find joy right now? And mm -hmm. let's just keep going. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where, that's where I've been at for the last, you know, six years since I got my PhD. 
Wow. What a story. And thank you for sharing all of that. I, I enjoyed it because I didn't know half of it, if not maybe most of it, if I'm honest. You're listening to the Biz Nation podcast. I would love to connect with you outside of the podcast and you can find me on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn by searching my name, Kerry Zarb or directly on my website at kerryzarb.club. And don't forget, if you need more support in your business, you can find the community on Facebook at BizNation Support Group. I'm, I'm super curious, where did the name Abby come from? That's such a fun question. So my dad bought an existing color and chemical company, mm-hmm. and it was called Abby. And so it had market share. It like it, you know, us, we're a niche manufacturer. So the five of our largest products, we are literally the only people that make. So like, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big deal. And so we had the market share. Why does he want to screw with it? Especially it's 1991. Marketing was a whole different ballgame. But the reason that Mr. Shellhorn, who started back in the 60s, called it is because ABB meant that he was the first name in the white pages and the business white pages. <laughs> that was it. Oh it's that simple. God. But my whole life, people have assumed my name is Abby. I've been called Abby constantly oh, on Instagram. People still message me as Abby. And I'm like, it says it right in the bio that my, mm-hmm. that we're it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Details are not your, your deep, deep friend. That's fine. All God's children. But yeah, it's literally just that it was already market share. Yep. Yep. And I, I, as soon as you said that, I thought back to the yellow pages and the white pages and, oh my God, how many AAA companies were out there just to get. Exactly. Oh. Just to be the top. Yep. And it's funny because I don't, like, that's just all gone. Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm Zab. I start with Z. I'm right at the bottom of the ladder. If I was back then, I'd be, (laughs) no, would have been a really bad move. So, yeah, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that as well because I thought there might have been something behind it and and you've explained it really well. So I appreciate that. Um, Kristen, uh, what is it like? to work with family and particularly maybe with your brother because like I've got a brother I know what that's like so what does that look like for you so my brother and I are a little bit freakish in that we're best friends and have been our whole lives so like people actually used to stop my mother in the grocery store when we were younger and ask how she got us to stop like to not fight um and so we're like we freak our spouses out (laughs) so um it's So there's that. The other thing is that we've been through, we both have um, a lot of trauma in our lives in different ways. So we often refer to each other as Sam and Frodo, and we each have the rings that have to get thrown into Mordor. Um, And so like when our board of directors asked us what like, you know, the process of taking over, which I'll say to you, we ended up, we always kind of, not always, but since about 2013 knew that Brian was going to take over for sure. And he was going to end up buying the company. And when we were growing up, we wanted no part of it. And so this has been a thing to come back to. Um, And I wanted some part of it. I didn't want to do day-to-day stuff necessarily, but I wanted to be, because I was really proud and I, you know, all those kind of stuff. And then in 2016, our dad, we were all on a family vacation and dad went into what's something called ventricular tachycardia, which means that all of the electricity to his heart stopped. And so he temporarily (laughs) for 15 minutes was dead. 
And then they put him in a medically induced coma for about four days to let his body heal from that trauma. And in those four days, they were very honest with us at the medical facility. They said, we don't know how much he's going to brain capacity he's going to wake up with. We don't know, you know, 15 minutes is right on that line. It's, it's Mm -hmm. right there. And he's, you know, in his sixties and he lives a really stressful lifestyle. And so let's just be really honest. And both of us were really grateful for that because we had to look at each other and say, okay, he could wake up and a company he's been running for 28 years, largely entirely from his head Mm -hmm. could be something that we now have to take over. Okay. How do we do this? Mm -hmm. And so when he did wake up miraculously, we got about 80% of his brain function back. He remembers us entirely, you know, like short-term memory is, is getting increasingly difficult, Mm -hmm. but long-term is all perfect. We're so grateful. We call, we call it his resurrection. It's a miracle. Yep. And we wanted to respond to that well and say, okay, so honestly though, that like we've been given a bit of a second chance here. So let's transition this company really, really well, Mm -hmm. because we've got, you know, direct employees that, you know, I mean, very honestly, we're a family of faith. We all pray for them every day. Like we see them as an extension of our family. Plus we are very aware that we are the global suppliers of hematoxylin and which is the stain that diagnoses cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. And one of the two stains that diagnoses all cancer, like it's wow. a pretty big weight and we carry it. And I'm like, well, we can't let this company go down the tubes. I've also sat in front of major pharma companies and promised them we wouldn't let it. So we've got to figure this out. And so we had a, a gorgeous opportunity to transition intentionally. Mm-hmm. So Brian and I got a great chance. That's my brother to have a lot of the harder conversations while the stakes were still a little bit low because it was all about in the future, we have to do this in the future. We have to do this. So every time a hiccup would come up, there was a new regulation or the taxes got raised and we didn't know how to change them, or we had to figure out, you know, an HR problem. We could do it as the hypothetical owners. Cause dad started letting us do that mm-hmm. without being the legal ones. Wow. That's cool. And so we, we got to, we, we never, we don't fight. It's one of our kind of hallmarks. Um, But we definitely got to have some heated conversations. Uh, We definitely disagree, but we refuse to fight. The two of us just don't function that way. Um, And we got to figure out the dynamic. How much legally did we want him to own? What legally did we want me to be in charge of? What are our titles going to be? Because we don't give a shit about titles, to be honest. (laughs) But everybody else does. So what is the title that is appropriate that says our level of responsibility? And then in the middle of this, he meets the woman of his dreams, gets falls in love, gets married, has a baby, you know, and I'm my husband's been in this process all along very gratefully for my mental health. So then we're like, okay, where's Allison in this? And then, okay, we're going to pass on the company to Sophia. And like, what does this all look like? And how does this do? And we didn't legally own the company until this past January. Oh, wow. So we had this incredible run up Mm. to have all of the messy conversations. Yeah. Where dad was still the final signature. A full role play. It was, it was so good. And like, I'll tell you while we were doing it, I absolutely hated it. It was so stressful. Like it felt like we were borrowing trouble on a regular basis. I just, I'm not good at ambiguity. I wanted stasis because every human being does, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all crave stability and the process of, of ownership transition was a lot, the ended up being a little bit quicker than we wanted it to be despite all that planning. And there was a lot of questions where like an accountant was looking at me and I'm saying, I, I don't know the words coming out of your mouth. Like I understand that you are using the English language, but you're not. So I need you to, 
And we have this incredible board of advisors that were at our weddings that have loved us for a long time, that saw us grow up and they're friends with my parents and our financial people know my parents and are bringing us all in and we're all having these conversations and it's like, okay. And at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. We got to keep the lights on and we got to make money. We like money, but like at the end of the day, everybody that is involved with us knows that mission statement. Mm -hmm. And they know that we exist to impact lives and create wealth. And so they're going to help us remember that too on the days it gets exhausting. Mm. So working with my brother is wonderful. I am unique in that. Working for my father was stressful, but also beautiful because he has a completely different set of training than I do. I never went to business school. I didn't even take a single business class. I almost failed economics in secondary school. And he has an MBA and is in Mensa for numbers. I write books about people. Mm -hmm. So it's been like, even on the days where I want to burn it all down and just be like, screw it. This is too exhausting. I hate it. I'm quitting. We're moving back to Belfast. I can't do this anymore. I wake up the next day and I'm like, I am one of the luckiest women on the planet. I am the only woman in a management team. Absolutely. But my brother and my father are the most affirming. They just say, here's the keys, go chase your dream. We love you. And there's times that they try to pull me back because they don't understand. And then we get to have conversations and I just look at them and go, I don't know. I feel really dumb. And they'll be like, no, 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 you're not dumb. This just isn't your zone of genius. So let's work on this together. And it's a beautiful, it's both beautiful and painful the way it is with working with family, right? They know my buttons to push when they want to hurt me. They can't. Um, (laughs) And, and they make a lot of, we all do, all three of us make assumptions about the other person based on something that happened 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we have to fight a lot to be very present Mm -hmm. with each other in the moment with who we are right now. But at the same time, I can be sitting in a meeting, look across the table from my brother. It's an entire conversation without us opening our mouths. And then we know which one of us should be speaking in that meeting and it, both of us get it done and that's, and we're good. Wow. Um, and it's, it's a real, real gift. And I have, my brother is one of my heroes and I adore working for him, but he was actually the very first guest on my interview show. And he says, it's very, very strange to be my boss. <laughs> it's <laughs> very, very weird for him because he is younger. He is three years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, we, we love it. It's a work in progress, mm-hmm. but now looking back that, five-year ramp up was such a damn gift. It was such a gift. And I wish I would have been more appreciative of it while it was happening instead Mm -hmm. of just wishing for it to end so that I would be more comfortable. Yeah. And you raise a really good point there because like, this is very unique. I've not heard of anyone that's actually, you know, gone through this process and I'm sure people have, but I don't think it's it's not common um, (laughs) to have that role play experience of the business. And, you know, behind the scenes, you were, you were working problem solving everything behind the scenes to be Mm -hmm. ready for when you were front and center. Let's, let's, you know, put it in that kind of frame, but Very unique, you know, awesome family by the sound of it, fantastic business, business model with the mission statement and everything going on. But to sit at the table and say, I don't understand that, that takes enough, like that's a special person as well, right? Because a lot of us can get kind of wrapped up in wanting to know everything, wanting to be, you know, the, the master of everything, wear all the hats, you know, and understand every single part of a business, but we can't. You know, it's just no. not, we can't, who can do that? Nobody, no. right? No one. No. 
Yeah. And I think I was lucky to have, I mean, this is some, I was lucky to have a dad that made it very clear from the jump that I didn't know everything mm-hmm. in a, in a way that was, you know, weird as a teenager, but he's always treated me like an adult. And so now I look back and I'm like, Oh no, that was good. Still would have delivered it a little differently, dad, but <laughs> the truth was there, yeah. which, and so like, I've always been really comfortable delegating and I've loved delegating. I grew up in theater too. And like theater is mm-hmm. all about everyone's got their own role and no one's role is more important than the other one. Everything is parts of a whole. And Brian grew up in team sports. And so we get, we both have that perspective. Dad was a, a collegiate athlete. We're actually very involved at his, at his university, um, still with the teams that he played for. And um, so we all have that, but like, yeah, I had no trouble zero trouble raising my hand and going, I do not understand what you are talking about. Because (laughs) the thing that I have learned over the years is that what I know shrinks the older I get and the more I learn. So the, the category of things that I absolutely know I am right on is very small and I'll die on those hills. Like I'll fight and I'll die on those hills. Everything else is mm, to, I flat out have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And I think this is, also a gift of living overseas. Oh yeah. There was, there are so many times, especially my first year in Northern Ireland, which I moved to sight unseen, um, which is hilarious. Uh, I had, I didn't know what anything was when I got there and I landed into one of their little mini eruptions of armed conflict. And I was like, Oh, Oh, we're lighting buses on fire. Oh, okay. (laughs) What's happening. And there was a lot of people that like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, that feels like a big deal. Yeah. It feels like a bit of a deal. Um, and I learned so, so much by sitting and going, I don't understand what you're talking about. And people would use phrases or words. And like, I'd try to place it together in my head and I wouldn't interrupt them because that's important. You let them do the flow. And I try to context it together. And then finally, you know, they'd pause and I'd be like, I love everything you said. I'm really, really sorry. I don't know what the PUP was. And they're like, oh, got it. Okay. Da, 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 da. And so you get, you have to, I have no idea so I'm trying to buy fabric softener and none of the words are that help, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like the, my very first weekend in Northern Ireland, somebody said to me, do you want to dander to the garage to get notes out of the hole in the wall? And I blinked at them three times and I said, I would love to know what that just meant. And it meant you want to walk down to the convenience store and get money out of the ATM. Oh my God. And I thought you were talking about mail, like going to the exactly. box like, yes. or something. That's what, that's what I got out of it. Same. Like I was like, how I dander I could do. Yeah. Garage. I was like, okay, but how is there letters in a garage? And then I was like, oh, a garage is what you call a gas station. Okay, but we don't call it a gas station here. We call it a petrol station. And okay, here we go. And then after that, I moved to Texas, which is also another language. So I think there's a lot of that. You have to get really used to the idea that context clues are super important for sure. Mm-hmm. But like when I come see Australia, which is going to happen. I know I'm going to walk around a lot being like, I know I've read a lot of novels set in Australia and I still don't know what any of you were talking about. So someone tell me what's going on here. (laughs) And it's, it's a beautiful thing to just constantly be in a posture of learning. It's really freeing. Yeah. And I think when you speak about going to other countries, you know, that the, what do they call that? Is it the Sherpa where like if you want to climb Mount Everest, you've got a, a Yes, Sherpa. you have to hire somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like international travel, if you're, you know, not au fait 
uh, with international, you know, and we, we, who would be, you know, you'd have to really, and yeah, it's just not going to happen. So when you get there, you need someone by your side doing that mm-hmm. translation. You, it's in English, you're in an English speaking country, but what does it mean? What is it? You yeah. know, like that's just a cool concept in itself. And yeah, oh, that, that's just fascinating. I, I, I love to go to Ireland. That would be so, so cool because I think, um, and it, everywhere, you know, to, to learn all of those things, but experience it, not just mm-hmm. Google it, not just, you know, talk to someone that's done it, but to actually experience it would be super empowering and a little bit life-changing, I think as well, right? Yeah. I think travel definitely changes you. I think live like travel changes you on a level living somewhere that you aren't born. Like I always, we talk a lot about my relationship with Northern Ireland. I am like my PhD is in it. You know, like I am an expert in some parts of it. I know more on the surface than my husband does about his own country because that was my job for a little while. Um, But at the end of the day, no matter how much I love that Island, my mother will never be Irish. My mother will always be American. I could get like, we could move back and I could get citizenship and we could, you know, love life there. But my husband's mother will always be Irish. His father will always be Northern Irish and mine will always be American. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of like what that looks like. And so it's, um, it's a beautiful gift and a reminder, uh, like my marriage reminds me that the world is small and, and unique, oh, yeah. um, which is really fun, but, and also that the world is wild and beautiful and big and diverse. Like my marriage is a daily, re- daily reminder of that, which is a, a big gift. Yeah. Kristen, I'm curious, what does the next five years look like for you? Do you have, do you have a bit of a path you're following yourself? I do. Um, I am right now, as we're talking in August, I am awaiting the release of my first TEDx talk on video. Um, and that should come out, we're hoping in the next couple of weeks or months. Then I also get to take a second TEDx stage in a couple of weeks as well. Um, and what we're really hoping is part of the shift away from that, the company that I sold and everything else is to really spend my, full t- my life full time um, speaking in a way that I haven't before. Mm-hmm. So I want to get on planes and come to Australia and go to Moldova and hang out in Brazil and talk to folks about how do we literally do human better. I teach a lot about how we have a, a, a very, very shallow understanding of diversity among humans. And if we can shift a few things, we can have richer experiences. And that's what I want to spend my life doing. So where the next five years is every step the universe puts in my way that I can say yes to, to get me to the goal of, of conducting, holding, cultivating, and um, facilitating an international conversation on being fuller humans. Mm. And I know that sounds like a really cheesy kind of let's mm. all hold hands and sing sometimes, but to some people anyway, I have, I've gotten that feedback, but to me, I look around the world, we're so fractured yeah, and we're so lonely. Even when we're in community, we're lonely because we haven't been taught how to be ourselves. We haven't been given that permission and we've been taught a little bit or not really. And what it comes down to is that we've forgotten what it's like to listen and to hold other people's dignity and res- like dignity is an innate human being mm-hmm. and say, you know what? It's not about if I agree with you or if I approve of you or whatever, it's your worldview is yours. Mine is mine. Let's learn from each other. Try to do life together. If we can't, 
If we're incompatible, that's cool. But we've tried, we've gotten to know each other and then we can separate paths. Mm. Like I hate the word tolerance. If in fi- for the next five years, I would like to get rid of us using that word, except when we're talking about it in like a, you know, allergy set setting, like what can your body tolerate? Yeah. Um, I want to get rid of that word in emotions because tolerance is such a passive entity, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't actually, we just say, okay, that person is the thing I think about them and that's all they are. Yeah. And I want to, that's what I want to get rid of. So the next five years hopefully is eradicating the use of the word tolerance (laughs) when it comes to other human beings. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And, And that's, I think, you know, the fact that you want to, you really want to get out there and share good messages, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to, you know, empower people with the, this, you know, this this concept and everything. That's that's fantastic in itself. So I can't wait to Thanks. see that unfold. It's super exciting. And, yeah, the TEDx video that's coming out and the next one that's coming up, like that's a powerful space. Like that's that's something that a lot of people aspire to do and, and never actually take the step to do, which I think is super cool that you're heading in that direction and it's like full steam ahead, you know, there's, there's no stopping you. Well, I certainly hope not. Um, but yeah, it's an honor. It's an honor to be asked to take any stage. I mean, it's an honor for me to be asked to take clubhouse stages. Like when I get pulled up from the audience, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) it's, it's a, it's an honor to be allowed to speak into other people's lives. And I try Mm. to take that really sacredly and really holy. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's super cool. And I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, Kristen, we have a little thing that I do on the show and it is called five fun facts about Kristen. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Here we go. Okay. I was warned about this. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Word is spreading. I might have to change it up. I'm going to random, I'm going to randomly select five questions out of my magical tin that has not been named. And in okay. doing in doing so, we just we get what we get. It is what it is, and there's no avoiding it. So I just what have I got? I think you should call it the the Carrie's Curiosity Tin. Ooh, I like that. That's my nomination. All right, I've got five. Okay, put that away. Okay, question number one is: Ooh, do you do you no? Rewind that. Driver or be driven? So are you the oh, driver? Be driven. be driven. Be driven. You're a passenger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband loves driving. He's a total petrol head. And so he would drive all the time. If I could take public transit to work, I would. I don't care for driving. I don't care for it. Oh, interesting. Why do you reckon? Just not not your thing? I see it as time I could be doing other things. Like I could be reading or I could be working or like, I'm really grateful legitimately for clubhouse now because it redeems for me, it redeems my commuting time yep. because I get to spend it with friends as I drive, yep. um, which is really great. But it's no, I don't, I do not care for driving. My brain is too overactive. I don't want to have to pay that much attention to keeping myself and other people alive. <laughs> I would like to pay, I would like to pay more attention to other things, which is beautiful. My husband does all of our road trips and is great and he loves driving and I love letting him. Oh, that's fantastic. And I agree with you. Where's the value in just traveling? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Kristen, when you grow up, when you grow up, as in right now, when you grow up, what do you want to be? 
now we've spoken about the TEDx and the stages and all that kind of stuff. Is that maybe the answer to oh, that yeah, question? Oh, yeah, no, I want, to be an, I want to be an internationally traveling speaker and servant. That's what I want to be. That's fantastic. Was that that was not a, a childhood dream by chance? That's just evolved. No, the very the childhood dream was a Broadway star. Like that was the childhood dream. Um, oh. But some sort of teacher, educator, speaker. I've always wanted to have travel in there. Mm-hmm. So like it's a long time. But um, I mean, I did the detours that a lot of other kids do. Like I tried to do the college professor thing for a little while. I thought I was going to be a youth worker. I toyed with politics, like all that kind of things. But at, when I look back at the thread, once you, I mean, even Broadway, I wanted to tell stories. Yep. And change people's lives. And that's what I wanted to do forever. So, yeah, that's cool. Next question is, are you a morning Marvel or a night owl? Do you bounce morning out of bed? Morning Marvel. Morning? Mm-hmm. Don't stay up too late if you can avoid it. I am at my best thinking between 7 a.m. and 2 p.m. Yep. And so that's that's when I did all of my PhD writing. Mm-hmm. That's when I try to do most of my work now. Um, my husband's a total night owl. And so we kind of, we operate on different things. But like I get home from work around six o'clock and I go up to start winding down for bed at like nine. Yep. And then I get up at, I get up at five and yep. that's what works best for me. Yep. Prime time, seven till two. Love it. That's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> And next question, Kristen, who did you admire most as a child? Oh my gosh. I, I've always loved my mom. So I'm sure my mom and the, the first person I remember wanting to be outside of my family was my seventh grade, sixth grade, sixth grade. So like I was 10, 10, mm-hmm. 11. My, my history teacher, her name was Mrs. Fravel. And she was one of those teachers that knew how to make me anyway, the outcast kid who like ate lunch in the bathroom stall because nobody would eat with me. Um, she let me eat in her classroom and would, um, I, I don't think I was a super pleasant child. I think I was probably very obnoxious. Um, and so I'm not super surprised I didn't have many friends until college, but, um, I, I, I've always been this kind of assertive, <laughs> unfortunately for everybody else around me. Um, uh, she was, she was a beautiful soul who taught me what it was like to be valued. So I think I wanted to be Mrs. Fravel mm-hmm. first as a mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think um, a lot of us have just had that one teacher that stood out, you know, someone that that we connected with and nurtured us and, and you know, mm-hmm. respected us and, and yeah, that's that's cute. I love that. All right, last question. If you could choose another era to live in, when would it be and why? Oh, controversial. I'll keep this one because A, I'm really a huge fan of soap, so I don't want to go like too far back in time. Yep. And like women have it not amazing now, but this is the best we've ever had it. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy, you know, having the vote, um, having general control over my own body and being legally allowed to open a bank account. So I'll keep now. Yep. Um, and are there like things that I would like to bring in from other times? There's lots of times I'd like to visit for sure. Visit, visit is Visit is the key. Go back and yeah. experience an era. So think of it like a visiting experience. 
Exactly. I would love, like, there's a great documentary about the 1936 Berlin Olympics, for instance, and they show the video of all of the American athletes on one boat going from New York to Berlin. If I could time travel to that boat <laughs> and just watch all of these Olympians on a steamship for like a couple hours, yeah. that sounds rad. Yeah. I do not want to live in 1936. That sounded miserable. So yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy electricity, soap, and bodily autonomy. So I'll stay, I'll stay in 2021. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. I don't think I could go back and lose mod cons, you know, not have a smartphone, not have the internet, you know, and I know that's pretty superficial, right? But it's, it's just, not, it's life now. Like this is mm -hmm. how we live, you know, the idea of, and I loved my childhood. Don't get me wrong. It was brilliant. But the idea of losing those things after you've had them, like, not cool. Not, no. I don't want to go back to a world where I can't get on a video call with a friend from Australia. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to that world. No, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, Kristen, before we wrap up the show, where can we find you? Please share. Oh, gracious. So, all the socials, like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, we are at Abby Research. A B B E Y. Mm -hmm. I am constantly on Clubhouse, so you can find me there. And then our website is abby-research.com. So abbey-research.com. Um, I usually also respond to owl post, carrier pigeon, other methods of transportation. Um, but any of those places, either Aaron or myself, mind the direct messages, the comments, the replies, the whatever, uh, and we will be directly in touch. Wonderful. Kristen, thank you for coming on to the show and sharing your story, this family business experience and all about Abbey Research. I've been absolutely delighted to hear it all. So I really appreciate your time and, and thank you for, for being here and, and sharing everything with us. Oh my gracious. Thank you for letting me ramble on about something I love so much. I'm terrible at self-editing, but it's been a great, great honor. Thank you. Thank you. We'll catch up really soon. You take care. You as well. Thank you for tuning in to the Biz Nation podcast. It was lovely to share this episode with you. Remember to subscribe to catch all future episodes. And I would also very much love it if you'd leave me a rating or a review. Until next time, remember that you can also go from headache to heaven in a heartbeat.